Moms Roll. I am Casey Forbes. And I'm Sarah Cuvion. And shout out to Miss Anna, who just <laughs> discovered us. <I> know. <laughs> Hello, Miss Anna. We love Miss Anna. Miss Anna is one of my mom's uh, good friends, and they, they work together for years. And mm-hmm. she's just discovered our podcast. So this week, we are kind of, we're not going back to our roots because this isn't Louisiana, but we had a request from Miss Julie from Nova Scotia to cover the case of Kristen Rossum. And I've been saying Greg DeVille because, you know, we are from Louisiana and we are oh, very French. Well, in the documentary, they said Greg DeVille. So, oh, well, wait, is that just a mispronunciation of one of our names? Because that happens. Well, we are going to jump into this. And if you like our podcast, like we always say, please rate and review us. Um, and subscribe. And subscribe and spread the word. Tell your friends. There's at least 27 people on Apple Podcasts that like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so this is dedicated to Miss Nova Scotia. And it actually is. I have never heard of this case. It is crazy. So have you ever heard of the movie American Beauty? I know you have. Yes. And I actually thought it was a pretty cool movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this case kind of it has a little bit to do with that movie. So I'll explain everything and we'll, we'll dive into it. We are in San Diego and it's the summer of 1999. Kristen Rossum and Greg, I don't know if it's DeVillers... DeVille. We're just going to call him Greg. Okay. okay. They were young and very much in love. And we see pictures of Greg and Kristen's wedding. Greg and Kristen's wedding was the epitome of a beautiful high society wedding. The snapshot of Greg and Kristen at this point in their lives would show the perfect couple. These two people just had such a bright future ahead of them. If you looked at them, they just looked like the perfect couple. But we learned that Kristen, she had kind of a rough go. No, mind you, she was a young beautiful teenager who was had rich parents in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Uh, she had done a bit of modeling and then she got into ballet, but an injury caused her to be sidelined from the ballet career. And she just started going down a bad path. Mm-hmm. And before she knew it, she was hanging out with a different group of people who introduced her. They said speed, but we find out later it's meth. Oh, oh. So she's okay. a teenager. She, she gets involved with meth. I mean, she's got money at her disposal. It's just a really bad combination. In December of 1994, after one semester in college, Kristen dropped out and she decided that she wanted to go to Mexico and have a good time. Well, as she's walking over the pedestrian bridge, she drops her jacket and this handsome guy walks over and picks it up and he introduces himself as Greg. And the two of them just make an instant connection and instead of going to Tijuana like she had planned, she went home with Greg. Oh, okay. It was a chance meeting and encounter on the pedestrian bridge that leads from Chula Vista, California to the raucous Mexican border town of Tijuana. After a month of drinking and smoking meth and hiding from her frantic parents, Kristen had made her way by train to the border. Authorities speculate that she was on her way to buy drugs from her supplier when she dropped her jacket on the bridge. Before she could bend down to pick it up, Greg did it for her. Handsome and bright, the son of a prominent plastic surgeon with offices in California, Monaco, he seemed almost angelic. And there seemed to be an almost immediate connection between the two young people. The two chatted with each other in French while Greg's youngest brother, Bertrand, with whom he had made the trip to Tijuana, paced nearby. Greg's brother said that, you know, he was smitten with Rossum right out the gate. And that night... I'm assuming you couldn't tell that she was doing meth at the time. I would think. I don't know how immediate meth, like, takes effect, like, of your face and stuff, so... 
I don't know. That is weird. But so, I mean, I just can't imagine like. So it sounds like in this scenario, she was going into Mexico. He mm-hmm. was coming, coming out. out he had already been. Okay. So it's yeah, a, so they were like crossing paths. Right. Okay. That night, Rossum returned with the DeVillers <laughs> to the Southern California apartment he shared with his brother. If I was the brother, I'd be immediately concerned. Like, well, yeah, you, you meet some meth head me- walking into t- to go to Tijuana. bridge, and you're going to bring her back home to where right. we live? Yeah. No. 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 Uh-uh. Let's no. make better choices. Well, she remained at the apartment. Even worse. And She's within not going to leave. Weeks, the couples professed their love for one another. Oh, jeez. Well, that did not please Greg's brothers. I guess it didn't. Well, I guess not. He's the only one thinking sanely. Here we go. They were painfully aware of her drug problem, a problem she had tearfully admitted to her boyfriend, and they had noticed that things had been missing from the apartment since no. she had moved in. Casey. We missed out on so much in the documentary. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this. And he um, still stayed. Not only did he still stay with her, he still married her. Well, he told them that he loved her and he was vowed to help her kick her addiction. Oh, yeah. Um, I bet he regrets picking up her jacket. Should have just thrown it over. According to Murderpedia, it says he might have felt differently had he known about a conversation Rossum is reported to have had with someone else one night while her boyfriend was out. According to a statement this person later gave to authorities, Rossum told her boyfriend's roommate that she felt she was making the wrong choice and should be with him and not oh, Greg. my God. Fatal attraction. You your <laughs> deadly affair. What did you miss out on? Holy oh crap. God. Oh this my woman. God. Yeah. Red flags everywhere. Nor did he learn that he had never terminated her relationship with an old boyfriend. In fact, according to court records, Rossum and the old boyfriend had spent a night together before she left for to go to Mexico. Oh, and when geez. he ran into her months later, she explained her absence with a bizarre tale of how she had been kidnapped. Did they just leave this out of the little documentary? We missed out on so oh much. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I stumbled upon this. So by May of 1995. <laughs> he told her that she had been kidnapped. Yeah, oh we just decided gosh. to keep it out of the papers. Okay. By May of 1995, Greg believed he had kept his vow and he had done everything he could for her. And by all accounts, it looked as if Kristen had kicked her drug habit. She had reestablished contact with her parents who viewed Greg as an angel and their daughter was Satan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kristen's mom said, we always called Greg, our God sent from heaven. I mean, all of the people she could have met to have met a nice, decent person who wanted to take care of her. We thank God. So, wow. Huh. Well, that didn't end well. No. She was in a bad way. And what we learn about Greg is that he grew up without a dad. And so he basically became the father figure that he never had for his family. And just in life, that just became his personality. When he met Kristen, she explained to him that she was struggling with drugs, that she had dropped out of school. But he was up for the task because, you Mm -hmm. know, he's everybody's dad. He wants to take care of someone. He wants to take care of someone. And he encouraged her to go back back to school. And she did because she felt a lot of pressure from her her family, and even to a certain extent from him. So before we get it too much more into it, I just want to say I love this documentary. Yeah. It's not a documentary. It's a TV series. It is hosted by Susan Lucci, and it is so <laughs> over the top. Sometimes I think I've spent half my life on my back. Only when it's in the script, of course. Playing the romantic lead does have its advantages. But pretending to be someone you're not can be very hard work. But hey, girls gotta eat. I mean, it is 
ridiculous. Like, well, that's what she's used to is over the top soap operas. Kind well, of thing, so. it just gets so good. And I can't wait to put some sound bites of some of the, <laughs> the, the funny things that they say <laughs> throughout this. But we learned that both Greg and Kristen, they graduate from college and then a wedding follows. Both were on their way to launching very successful careers. Greg went on to work for a biotech company, something he was very passionate about. And Kristen got an internship at the medical examiner's office. And after graduation, she was hired on as a toxicologist. I want to point this out. Who thought that someone that at one point in their life that had a meth addiction, uh, working at a medical examiner's uh-huh. office. Let me, all right, let me give you a breakdown of her job. Okay. Kristen's responsibility was to log little tiny vials of synthetic manufactured drugs. Oh dear. Yeah. So she must not have had a record. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, she did. If she didn't, that would, I hope explain why. I know. But her even her place. herself. I like, know. Well, look, I am not saying that there are not people who go through drug problems and become toxicologists. But you and, don't but, like put yourself in that situation where you right. can easily relax. In this situation, it's like instead of like giving her like the vials, yeah. can we give her like maybe the blood samples? Yeah. You know? Oh. But yeah, you know, maybe she can like take x-rays. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe she can um weigh the heart. Yeah, there's a whole lot of other things that she could do. Yeah, that don't consist from, of um, yeah. handling um vials of synthetic yeah. drugs. You know, just, just a thought. Oh, bless Just it. a thought, yeah. Did um, nobody else in her life kind of like, did that not raise a red flag for anybody in her life? Like, right. hey, maybe this isn't a good idea. Yeah, like... Maybe instead of doing that, maybe you can be like a lab assistant. Yeah. Maybe you can sit in on the autopsy. That's a good one. Yes. That'll work. Yes. Nope. I, I guess not. I guess everybody thought, no, cool beans. She's she's kicked this drug habit and she's good. Let's just give her complete access to the, to the medicine cabinet. Here are the keys. After Kristen and Greg got married... And by after, I mean, like within a year, friends say that they just started seeing less and less of the couple. And they just thought, you know, they're a new married couple. They might be just enjoying life together. No big deal. But we're told that Kristen starts to feel torn because while she loves Greg, she doesn't think she's in love with Greg. You know, he's just helped her so much. How could she walk away? Now, this is within the first year of their marriage. Yeah. Like, um, did we not think about this before we got married? Mm, Clearly she didn't. Or if she did, she just ignored those signs and kept going on yeah i just feel like in this tv show we kind of skip over some stuff because Mm -hmm. i don't know how she could just go from like they were so in love to yeah she didn't know if she was in love like i mean that's not something that happens over that's something that you know had to been marinating for a Mm -hmm. little while well this little this little show it was you said it was only like 20 minutes or so yeah it was like a split it was two different it was two different shows yeah um so that's why they different stories i'm sure i should have done more research i'm (laughs) sorry Julie. But we'll get to the heart of all of this. Kristen's addictive personality just craved constant male attention. Kristen hasn't even been married a year, but that sounds like a case of the seven-year itch. Thankfully, there's a remedy for that, like a hot new boss named Dr. Michael Grayson. And this becomes a problem when a Dr. Michael Grayson becomes Kristen's boss. Dr. Grayson was a rising star from Australia. Now, who can... Mm-hmm. Not be well. swooned by that accent. Oh, man. Unless it's the accent of the guy who's like the reenactment in the show. Yeah. Because they read like emails and he's like, hello, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, like, he's more Steve Irwin, less Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. He's like, your eyes are the color of the date. <laughs> and I'm just like, I cannot take this voice serious. I want nothing more than to give my all to you. My life, my love, 
my world. They say it was almost an immediate connection. He was very handsome. He was mm-hmm. one of a few PhD lab managers in the world. He was smart, athletic, handsome, but he was also married. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, so, no. But that didn't so- stop sparks from flying between Michael and Kristen. Well, I mean, it, it was immediate. You know, both were unhappily married, and perhaps they saw this as a means to get out of their respective marriages. It wasn't long. This is... <laughs> I wish I worked somewhere where this happened because I'd be like (laughs) filming that shit. Um, They say it wasn't long before co-workers noticed that the two would go to lunch and they'd come back with wet hair. Oh, oh my. (laughs) They were like, we we think they're having an affair. Like as they stumble in, they both clearly just took a shower. His pants are unzipped, her buttons unbuttoned. Like, do y'all think they're having an affair? Clearly disheveled. Do they think they're having an affair? Like, obviously, I wish I worked somewhere with somebody. Like, I noticed someone having an affair. Because mm-hmm. I would be just eating my popcorn and watching it. <laughs> like, oh, Lord, she went to the back again. Watching from a distance. So it's less than a year in her marriage. And Kristen started leading a completely double life. For one, she was this devoted wife. And the other, she was carrying on this affair with Dr. Michael Grayson. And emails that were found between Kristen and Michael were extremely flirty. And what started out as just a fling turned into the two of them, like, planning for the future talking about getting married having kids Kristen wasn't just being unfaithful to Greg we find out she's also dabbling um, in drugs oh no surprise surprise but at home Greg becomes suspicious he's not suspicious that she's having an affair he's suspicious that she's doing drugs Mm -hmm. he starts rifling through her belongings and he happened upon a love letter from Michael now I'm gonna say one thing about Kristen Kristen's a stupid smart person because (laughs) she she just like leaves stuff that's incriminating, mm-hmm. like legit everywhere. She just leaves it out. Yeah. Like he found, I think like maybe in her panty draw- drawer, a love, like a love oh, note. Geez. Like what did you think was going to, at least so just like, leave it at work. So like smart, but no common sense, clearly. Right. Just or a she wanted person. To, or she wanted to be caught. Oh, maybe so. Like don't put it in your panty drawer. I know. When he starts suspecting you because exactly, you're acting crazy. Yeah. And he thinks you're on drugs. He's going to go looking for the drugs. Right. That makes sense that he would go there. And most men probably do start in the panty section. <laughs> not going to lie. Because they're men. What can we say? You know? <laughs> So he found um, this love letter. He demands to get Michael's phone number from Kristen and he calls him and, you know, Michael's laying in his bed. Basically, Greg tells Michael, stay away from my wife. Y'all, I don't get that premise. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, hey, I just want to let you know she's all yours. Yeah. <laughs> you can have her. As I'm kicking her out tonight. Yeah. You're going to take over her and her drug habit. There you yeah. go. And I hope your wife is interested in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. Okay, good. She's good getting a roommate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You into sister wives? Okay. <laughs> Next thing we know, it's Monday morning, November 6, 2000. And Greg wakes up and he's not feeling well. Kristen says that she calls in sick for him, but apparently his job never got the message. This is back in the day when I guess we didn't have text messaging yeah. and cell phones. Greg basically doesn't show up to work and mm. nobody hears from him. His job's calling his house. He's not answering. The next time we hear anything about Greg is at 922 at night and it's a 911 phone call from Kristen. <laughs> 911 emergency. Yes, my, my husband is not breathing. He's cold. Is he breathing? No. No? Okay. Oh Kristen Rossum attempts CPR. Greg! Greg! And she screams. 
screaming and she's crying. He's unresponsive. She's trying to do uh, CPR, but it's no use because 26 year old Greg is dead. When paramedics walk in, this is where the American Beauty story, because mm-hmm. at the end of the movie at American Beauty, is it at the end? I haven't seen it forever, but there's a scene where someone is like covered in rose petals. Oh, yeah. Well, when paramedics walk in, they find Greg. He's dead on the floor. There's rose petals just scattered all over his body. And there's a picture, a wedding picture up from Greg and Kristen's wedding, like right by his head, almost like he's watching it. So, uh, you know, okay, you kind of think this must have been a suicide. There's Mm -hmm. no blood. There's no weapons, no forced entry. There's nothing to indicate that there's violence or foul play. So it must have just been an overdose. And as police search the apartment, they discover Kristen's diary because Kristen does not know how to cover up a murder. And they found all kinds of things in there. Greg was really, you know, making it difficult for her and being jealous and controlling and basically just how upset and unhappy she was in her marriage. It seems the bloom had fallen off the rose in more ways than one. She just, please tell me, she just like left it out in the open for them to find. Well, she didn't bother to hide it, you know. (laughs) Jeez. They start reading her diary and written all up in there is that, you know, she's unhappy in her marriage because her husband is jealous and controlling. You know, I hate when people say he's so jealous. You think you gave him a reason to be jealous? I mean, you were actually having an affair. Like, how dare you say he's jealous? Maybe he has reason to be. Little bit of a gaslighter, much okay. <laughs> so, at first, the police believe that this is a suicide because obviously Kristen's diary indicated that she wasn't happy in her marriage. So, maybe this was just, I mean, it looked that way. And Kristen is very quick to say that, well, Greg took clonazepam and oxycodone, which were also happened to be the drugs she used to get off her meth habit years yeah. earlier. But because of the possible drug overdose, Kristen believed, and it was logical to believe, that Dr. Grayson, her lover he specialized in doing the toxicology test so Mm -hmm. the thought was that he will do the toxicology test because nobody knew for sure that they were having an affair oh okay you know that's super convenient right Uh but ultimately greg's body gets sent to a private lab oh okay and that's when everything changes i wonder how that happened i don't know Again, in the 23 minutes of the show, <laughs> they didn't bother to uh, go into detail. I know. I wish. I wish. Like, who his, requested? I wonder if his, his family. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder if his family because said, if she's uh, no. The, or, or, or because she was, maybe because she worked there. Yeah, maybe was it was say, a conflict of interest. Maybe the police suspected that, or, you know, like you said, just a conflict of interest because she worked there. So they're like, we're going to send him here yeah. instead of where she is. Yes. So Kristen tries to explain that Greg committed suicide because he just wasn't happy in their marriage due to his jealousy and controlling nature. The toxicology report found that Greg actually died of acute fentanyl intoxication. Ooh, okay. Now, in 2000, fentanyl was hard to come by. It's not Mm -hmm. like today. Unless you work in a lab where it is readily available. Conveniently. Like Kristen does. So when police execute a search warrant on the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office where Kristen works, there's a vial of fentanyl that was missing. <gasps> no. And the last person to have logged in that fentanyl, who do you think it was? Let me guess. Kristen. Kristen. Yeah. It's also odd that the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office didn't test for fentanyl. So had he gone to where she worked, they wouldn't have tested for it. Mm-hmm. And what would have shown up would have just been the clonazepam and the oxycodone. Right. It would have looked like a suicide because uh, they would have tested for that. Okay. She would have gotten away with it. So the police say, okay, it's time for Kristen to come in 
and have for an interview. And when she shows up, she is extremely thin and there are sores all over her face. Miss mm. Meth done, yeah. done paid her a visit. On June 25th, 2001, Kristen is arrested and charged with first degree murder. Kristen's boss, Michael, however, he also had access to the fentanyl that went missing and there was an entire file about fentanyl in his drawer when everything was searched. But it just so happened that when all this was going on, his mom in Australia got sick and he needed to go see her. (laughs) Yeah. So he got the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. And the police say that there was just no, at the time, there was no legal reason to hold up his passport and they couldn't stop him from leaving. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, there really is no proof that That he he had anything to do with it. Yes. Because it was her that checked it out last. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, they just don't know. So the media just like loved the whole rose petals theme because it, it was just odd because all this happened right after American Beauty came out. The handsome doctor manages to avoid the spotlight and quickly exits stage left. So that leaves Kristen Rossum to stand trial all alone in a one-woman show. And the cameras can't seem to get enough of the killer blonde lead. The media was really focused on the rose petals, and this was actually right around the same time that the movie American Beauty was released, where there's a scene where red rose petals are scattering down from the ceiling, and this was one of Kristen's favorite movies. But Kristen's Hollywood inspiration proves to be her downfall in the courtroom. During the trial, it was revealed that on the day of Greg's death, Kristen had purchased a single rose on her lunch break at a grocery store, which was the nail in the coffin. Okay. Stupid, <laughs> smart people. Man, I, I don't even know that I would call her smart anymore. Right. You like, know? what a dumbass. That's just dumb. Yes. So, needless to say, Kristen was found guilty of first-degree murder with special circumstances on November 12, 2002, which also happened to be Greg's birthday. Oh! Yeah. And she will be spending the rest of her life in jail. Bada bing, bada boom. So, do you, <laughs> do you, gut feeling, do you think he, the the guy, had anything to do with it? The doctor guy? I don't know. Um, That's a hard one to say. Because I wonder, I, I'm, I'm assuming he didn't come back. No, you would assume correctly. Yes. yes. Okay. So. And she never, she never like fingered him to say he had a part in it. Yeah. But, you know, the theory was that her goal was to give him originally the, whatever, the, the, clon- the clonazepam and yeah. the oxycodone, but that didn't kill him like she mm-hmm. wanted. So that's when she injected him or gave him, I don't know if it was in a vial, so Maybe she made him, you know, put it down his throat, but mm-hmm. gave him the fentanyl to okay. finish the job. Because as we all know, fentanyl is extremely deadly yes. in, in small portions. It's completely deadly. So, I mean, all mm. we can think is that she probably went that route and thought, you know what? We'll just, you know, we'll autopsy him at where I work and uh, it'll be good to go. Yeah. You know, he'll, I'll never be caught. I feel like he knew something was going on. He may not have known all the details of it. But mm-hmm. I just my, you know, well, if he was researching fentanyl that I mean, it's a it's a good I mean, that he found they found that in his um in his desk at mm-hmm. work. Yeah, so. but like that's like part of his job. Too. That's true. That's so true. I mean, I can't really count that. But just the fact that he left town, never came back. Right. After all this, like kind of makes me think like, uh, I wonder if his wife stayed with oh, him. No, I wonder, like, did she find out about like the fact that he was having an affair? 
Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it all came. I mean, I don't know, like, I'm sure she's watched Deadly Affairs. I know, but I'm just like wondering like when they left. Like at what point of this investigation did they leave? She was 24 when she was charged. It says Greg DeVillers. So I probably said DeVille like completely wrong. <laughs> so prosecutors described, it says Michael Robertson. I wonder if they changed it in the thing to um as Kristen Rossum's unindicted co-conspirator. Oh. You know how they change it in that we've learned? Yeah. So Rossum is serving a life sentence in the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla. Murderpedia, that's always got stuff. The prosecution contended that Kristen Rossum killed her husband to keep him from telling her bosses that she was having an affair with the chief toxicologist and that she was using meth that she stole from the coroner's lab. Defense attorneys argued that Greg was suicidal and poisoned himself. Kristen's brother-in-law testified that it was difficult to believe his brother had committed suicide because he hated drugs. Mm. The 911 tape played in the court appeared to indicate Rossum was administering CPR to her husband. She was found guilty. On December 12, 2002, Rossum was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and was taken to the San Diego jail. In 2006, Greg's family sued Rossum in San Diego County in a wrongful death suit. On March 25th, a San Diego jury ordered Rossum to pay more than $100 million in punitive of damages. Dang. Yes. So all of her peer, all of her appeals have been denied. Michael was terminated from the medical examiner's office. He was named as an unindicted co-conspirator in Rossum's 2001 trial, but as of 2012, has yet to be extradited to the United States to face charges. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. he was kind of implicated there. Yes. So yeah, I mean, they believe that he was a co-conspirator of it. Okay. That's just so stupid. Just get a divorce. That's how I feel you about know? it, too. I think it wasn't just the... I don't think, though, it wasn't... I think it was the drugs, too. Mm-hmm. I think she had a drug problem, and I think that led to her having this crazy, addictive personality, which, you know, just led her down a really bad way. So, mm-hmm. I guess we'll just surprise you all with next week's episode since we ain't <laughs> figured it out just yet. Bye. Thank you for listening. See y'all next week. Bye, guys. So people could hear me? At the very end. I promise. <laughs> At the very end. Okay. Um. No, on the ground. Sweet Jesus. There you go. There you go. go. Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Um. No, you could put it on. You can use it as a blanket. It's fine. It's on his head. <laughs> oh, my God. Dear Lord. Have kids, they say. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Okay. Can you give him a bottle? Cannon. Cannon. <laughs> okay. All right. Look, I'm gonna let you put these headphones on. Everybody, this is Cannon James Klein Peter, and he would just like to say hello. He has not been listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. What would you like to say, Cannon? What's popping? <laughs> What's popping? What's popping? Um, <laughs> you're supposed to be babysitting your brother right outside our door. Um, yep, he's still there. Oh, yep. He just said, Dada. <laughs> he just said, um, can someone save me? He is not babysitting me <laughs> at all. Yeah. He's like, well, I've been here, so. Yeah. I heard that, Dada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Cannon, is there anything else you want to say besides what's popping? Huh? Uh, I love toys. <laughs>
That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Mama watches junk on the TV. I do not watch junk. <laughs> he calls my murder shows junk because I will. All you know why he calls them junk because I won't let him watch them either. Oh, that yeah. Well, there's a probably good reason for that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this has been a Dive In Media production. Executive producers are Casey Forbes and Sarah Cuyon. Email your story suggestions and questions to Let the Good Crimes Roll at protonmail.com. Follow along with us on Facebook at Let the Good Crimes Roll and Instagram at LTGCR Podcast.